0: Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. on The subject of redemption the subject of redemption. It is the theme of the book of Ruth and uh, the Old Testament Hebrew, uh, redemption of process, the protocol for process. We find it all here in chapter four. There are five things that were necessary under the Hebrew law in order to buy or buy back a particular item or whatever the case may be, to make a purchase as far as ownership or re-ownership is concerned. Without getting into that too deeply, I'll get myself confused if I do, I think it's important for us to understand how that we have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. We have been bought back by Jesus. And uh, we want to look at that here and this good example that we have of it in the Old Testament We'll begin our reading in verse number one and read down a few verses in uh, chapter number four, again, of the book of Ruth. Our title to this morning is Five Requirements for Redemption. Five things that must happen in order for one to be redeemed. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city, that's the requirement for legal process, and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsman, Naomi, that has come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother, her husband, Elimelech. And I thought to advertise thee saying, buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. If thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said these words, I will redeem. Redeem it. Then said Boaz, Boaz, what day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, Mahon, uh, the son of Elimelech and and, uh, uh, Naomi the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself. Lest I mar my own inheritance, redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now I see that redemption and redeeming is mentioned multiple times and we could read on in the chapter. But for the sake of time this morning, I want to quickly Move into the thoughts that are given to us here, on the subject of redemption. Now, a good outline, if you like outlines, is uh, for the book of Ruth. is found to be like this: Chapter number one is the confessions of Naomi. You well remember that uh, there, in the latter part of the chapter, that she said that I went out uh, in, uh, I went out sweet and came home bitter. I went out, things were good, and I came back, things were a not so good, the confessions of Naomi. Chapter number two is the compassion of Boaz. Boaz. Chapter number three is the commitment of Ruth, and chapter number four is the covenant of Ruth and Boaz. That's where we are tonight. Now, or this morning rather. And so it is the confession of Naomi, the compassion of Boaz, the commitment of Ruth, and the covenant between Ruth and Boaz. And that brings us to where we're thinking, by the way, that outline is not mine. I had it in one of the old Bibles that I was reading, and I put a little footnote at the bottom of the fourth one, chapter number four, and that belonged to evangelist Tom Hayes many years ago. He was here in revival and preached an entire week, an entire week on nothing but the book of Ruth. And he covered One chapter at the time and then, of course, brought in some other ideas as well. Now, the word redemption simply means to purchase or buy back. I think I've already made mention of that, but it's worth saying again. It means to purchase or to buy something back. Something that you had and perhaps it was lost and then you went and repurchased something uh, that had been lost. That is a story of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the redemption uh, through him. And uh, here's the thing. I think you've heard that before. Here's the thing. Man through the fall was lost to Satan by sin. Man through the fall was lost to Satan by sin. And God by the cross bought man back through the blood of Jesus Christ. You'll see that come up on the screen here in just a few moments. Man through the fall was lost to Satan by sin and God by the cross bought man back through the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the whole story of the gospel. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. The price was paid, of course, at Calvary when Jesus died there upon the cross and paid your sin debt and my sin debt, a sin debt that we all had from our great, 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 great grandfather Adam and his disobedience in the Garden of Eden. And so we see this matter of redemption in the Scripture. Now there are five things. Five things I want to share with you very quickly this morning. Five things about this matter of of a redemption. The first thing that I notice, and we'll quickly get into the scripture because we have to look at quite a bit of it this morning. Number one in our study today, first of all, there must be one who is qualified to redeem. There must be one... Who is qualified to redeem? You see that in our story. And of course, there was a sequence. There was the next of kin. And uh, then if the next of kin, like in our story, refused to redeem, then it went on to the next and to the next and so on and so forth. And so that's kind of the gist of our story this morning. Boaz uh, comes forward and he brings forth the elders of the city. And then he brings forth the the next of kin, the closest kin uh, to Naomi for this matter of buying back that which was lost. And they go through this process, they go through this proceeding and uh, first of all, and just let me say it again, there must be someone, there must be one who is qualified to redeem. There must be. Look with me, if you would, in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, if you'll turn there, uh, we're going to look at a few other scriptures uh, in regard to this matter this morning. In the book of Acts, in chapter number two, in verses 21, beginning there through verse number 24, let's read what the Bible has to say. And keeping in mind, there has to be somebody who is qualified. There must be somebody who can redeem. And here's the preaching in verse number 21 of Acts chapter number two. And it shall, this is at the the day of Pentecost. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Somebody say amen. What a great verse. It's a good, I'm gonna read it again, all right? And it shall come to pass, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You men of Israel, hear these words. Now look at the next. Jesus of Nazareth. They've got to be somebody that's qualified. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God. Qualified by God. Certified by God. Validated by God. Bring up all the synonyms you want. And he, he meets every single one of them. He is the one who is qualified to buy us back and pay our sin debt. Must be someone who's qualified, but let's read on. Approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsels ordained of God and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God hath raised up Having loosed the pains of death, because it is not possible that he should be holden of it, and so we see, thank God, that there is one who meets the first requirement. And these don't; these aren't any in any particular order. But the first one is that there must be somebody that is qualified to redeem. There must be. Here's the second thing. The second thing. Well, uh, let's let's move on and. Uh, there must be someone who is able to redeem. And, he, and here's what happened in our story. Of course, Boaz advertised it. He put it out there for the next of kin. And the person who was next of kin, I don't know how this fits the typology. It really doesn't matter. But uh, he, he said that I'm not able to do it. I'm not able redeem, He said, if I do, I'm going to mar my own inheritance. And I I don't know how all that figures into the story, but it does lead us to to the second thing. Not only must there be someone who is qualified, there must be someone who is able to redeem. I like that, don't you? (laughs) Well, I think we're going to find out in our story all five things Boaz met the requirement. And I think that in our typology, we're gonna find out this morning that Jesus meets those five standards as well. And, uh, and you'll see that as we progress this morning. So here in the book of Romans, in, again, in chapter number four, and uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 21, again, in the book of Romans, there must be someone, there must be one who is able to redeem. Look what the Bible has to say. Uh, in Romans chapter number four and verse number 21. And being fully persuaded of that, what he has promised, he is able also to perform. Of course, you know, this is the uh, story of, um, of Abraham. Look in verse number 22. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone, Abraham, that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Notice what he said in the first verse. If you don't don't even use the other verses enough, it says, in verse number 21 and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, and look at this, he was also able to perform. And so the first requirement is very simple, very complex actually, in that there must be one who is qualified to redeem us. And the second thing is that there must be somebody who is able to redeem us. The fact of the matter is, Naomi and her possessions that her husband had owned, and uh, and Ruth, her daughter-in-law, and her son had owned, all of those things are kind of at stake presently because there's nobody there's nobody that's able to step forward and say, "I'll redeem Naomi and the possessions of her husband and all that she has." You know, ladies and gentlemen, that's the way it was when you stood when uh, when we when we were without Christ and, and before we were saved and before Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, the whole world was hopelessly lost. I know there were the Old Testament sacrifices and the atonement for the sins of the world and, uh, and how that the sins of the world were being covered. Atonement means to cover. Redeem means to buy back and to pay the sin debt. And so all the sins of the Old Testament saints, they were just building and building and building and building and then one day the atonement had been satisfied and Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary and when he died, unlike the little sheep and unlike the little lambs and unlike the little doves and and, uh, unlike all of those and, and everything that had been sacrificed that was not able to take away the sins of the world, Jesus came and died on the cross, shed his blood and took away the sins of all the world. There must be one who is qualified. There must be one who is able to do it. And may I say, there is one and only one. There is only one who is able to take away our sins and to redeem us. Hebrews 7 25, I have it for you on the screen. Wherefore, he is able, somebody say amen. You believe he's able to save. I realize we're not seeing a lot of people saved this day and hour like we did back in the 70s and 80s, and and Brother Montgomery was talking about that great revival meeting we had had here about a dozen, about 12 years ago, I guess, 12, 13 years ago, and God moved in and we stayed here for two weeks and uh, 55 or 57 people got saved and baptized, and I know you don't see that, you may see it once or twice in a lifetime. I'm hoping to see it again one more time. Lord, cause it to happen again. You know, it could be. It could start that Easter. It could start before then, but it could be that Easter Sunday morning that God, through the Holy Ghost, blows his breath on this place and brings us to a place of repentance and, and revival. Who knows? Who knows? I anticipate it every time we schedule a revival. We've got Brian McBride coming in the fall and, and we'll have a, a revival uh, meeting this summer. We're working on that. And, and we'll have three or four of those every single year. And I go into every one, I'm thinking, this could be the one. Or this could be the next one. It could be the time that it all happens again. And we were having, we, it, it happened here uh, maybe, Maybe a decade before that, and Brother Sammy Allen was here in revival. We were building this building, I think still meeting in the other building. And there were people getting saved at the house at midnight. There were people calling uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning, wanting somebody to pray with them to get saved. God can do that. You say, I I don't know if I want to get in on anything. I'd love to. I'll tell you what, I'll take my portion and yours. (laughs) Amen. Give me a double portion wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him. I'm telling you that somebody has to be able and he is able, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. I'm going to tell you something this morning. Jesus, Boaz was able. He said he's he's able. And uh, the other kinsman wasn't able. And that just kind of leads me to believe that there's some that, that would if they could. You know, the church would save you this morning. We'd be glad to save you if we could. Heard a man testify the other day about a preacher saving him. I don't know what he was talking about. And I know what he was saying. You know, he called the preacher by name, said he saved me 20 years ago, whatever the case was. And, and he, the, it, it must have worked really well because, I mean, he had a good dose of it. And, um, and nonetheless, anyway, the um, uh, we would if we could. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if there's any way that, if if signing a church card or joining the church or baptizing you, if that would save you, for, I, we'd gladly do that today. We'd do anything that we could. But you see, the church isn't able to save you. The church was never designed to save anybody. The church is just designed to to carry the gospel. We are not the water. We're just the pump that's pumping the water. We are not the living water this morning. We'd save you if we could, but the reality of it is we're not able to do that. We can't do that. We can't save anybody. You know, the reality of it is if you're lost this morning... There's family members that would save you if they could. Your mama would. I guarantee you, if you're unsaved this morning and your, and your mama had the ability to save you from your sin, she'd do it. I know I've told the story before, but it comes to my attention this morning. I remember I visited one Saturday back over in my days in Lakeland, long, long time ago, back in the late 70s. And I was out on visitation, bus visitation on Saturday. We were visiting this little uh, community where we ran our buses every week. And, and I was in there and I was knocking on doors and I was by myself and I walked up to the screen door and I knocked on it and there was a young man there, I'd say 10, 11, 12 years old. And uh, and I stepped just inside and I began to talk to him and I talked to him for a little while and I could tell that he had burdens and, and so on and so forth. And so I was getting ready to pray with him. I had uh, taken the scripture, and I was showing him uh, what he needed to do to be saved, and about that time, his mama came walking in, and she had uh, a grocery bag, old paper grocery bag, one in each arm, and she walked in, and uh, she set the, uh, the groceries, and I understand, she set the groceries on the table, and she said, what's going on here? And I fully understand, I mean, I understand, I would have I been questioning the situation Here's a fellow standing there with a Bible. You don't know if he's Seventh-day Adventist, Jehovah Witness. You don't know what in the world's going on. And she said, I'd like to know what's going on here. And I said, well, I was talking with your son and we were talking about salvation and, and he, he said that he knows that he's a sinner. And she stopped me in my tracks and she, she said, that's enough. I don't want to hear anymore. And she went over to her son and grabbed him up in her arms and she said, I want you to know there's not anything wrong with this boy. She said, this is one of the finest young men. He makes, he makes A's in, 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 in school, A's and B's in school. And uh, he, he's obedient. She said, if I ask him to take the trash out, he takes the trash out immediately. She said, He's never given me any trouble. He's never given, he's never been disobedient. He's never been disrespectful. He's never talked back one time. You see, in the eyes of that mother, he was justified, but in the eyes of God, he's a sinner that needs to be saved by grace. Your mama would save you if she could, and the list goes on and on. Your friends, they would if they could, but they aren't able, they aren't able. Our hands are tied. There's only so much we can do. All we can do, we're just kind of like directing traffic. We're just saying to those that are at the crossroads in life, and, they're, and here they are, and one way leads to destruction, and another way leads to life everlasting, and we're standing there at the crossroad, and we're just pointing people, don't go that way, don't go, go this way, go this way, go this way. That's all we're able to do. That's all we're able to do. We'd do much more if we could. I don't want anybody to go to hell. That's the reason we've devoted 50 years of our life, 50 years of our life we've devoted to telling people don't go this way, but go this way. No, 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 don't, 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 don't go this way, but go this way. And so number one, there must be someone who is qualified to redeem. Number two, hurriedly, there must be somebody who is able to redeem. And it's not me. In our story, it's Boaz. And in real life, it's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The one who is qualified is also able. Number three, the third thing, there must be someone who is willing to redeem. It's even in our story. Here's the fellow, he said, I can't. And then Boaz said, I will, I will. And I'm here to tell you, friend, this morning, there is someone who is willing to redeem you. And uh, look with me, if you would, in 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy, I believe it is. Or I guess it's 1 Timothy. I'm sorry. 1 Timothy chapter number 2. In verses 3 through 6. And I'll close here in just a moment. In 1 Timothy chapter number 2, mark these in your scripture. Verse number 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto a knowledge of truth. For there's one God, there's one God, and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due season. Verse number four, who will have, he said in, in, in First Peter, did he not, that, that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so, first of all, there must be someone who is qualified. Secondly, and you can you can you can measure any religious organization by this. Anybody that tells you this is what you this is what salvation is about or they try to lead you and you, you, you always go back to this matter of what must happen in order for me to be bought back to God. Number one, there must be someone who is qualified. there must be someone who is able, there must be someone who is willing. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Number three, there must be one who is willing. There must be one who is... Number four, there must be one who is ready to redeem. Look at these verses. He is ready to forgive. Psalms 86, verse number five. Not to be mistaken for 85, 6, but 86, 5. For thou, Lord, art good. And look at the next four words and ready to forgive. If you're waiting to be saved, you're spinning your wheels. You say, well, you know, I'm thinking about it, and one day I will, and you know, when I get some things straightened out, and you know, a little later, maybe I I got some wild oaks I need to finish sowing, and all these kind of things, and and all of these excuses, and alibis, and, and I'm not sure the Lord will save me. I'm sure He'll save you. He is Ready. There must be someone who is ready to redeem. For thou, O Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. I love the book of Psalms. Not only is he ready, there must be somebody that's ready. Somebody that's ready. Boaz was ready to redeem this inheritance. Our Savior is ready to forgive. Psalms 86, 5. He is ready to pardon. Nehemiah 9, 17. But thou art a God, look at this, ready to pardon. Gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and forsookest them not. Is he ready to redeem? He's ready to forgive. He's ready to pardon. And then finally, he's ready to save. Isaiah chapter number 38 and verse number 20. The Lord... Here's Isaiah. The Lord was ready to save me. You don't even have to wait for the invitation. If you're here this morning and the Lord's dealing with your heart about sin and and you've been a little concerned about it, you've been under conviction about it, not not a word we use often enough, but you've been troubled about your life and you've been troubled about the sin that has kind of drifted into your life and and now you're probably to the place that the, the devil has his hook And he has it set really good in you and he's got you and and you're under his control and one sin is leading to another sin and then another sin and now you're perhaps living a life of sin and you've never been saved. You've never had your sins forgiven. I can say this. He's ready. He's ready. And then finally, in closing this morning, there must be one who is waiting. Several words I could have put there. There must be one who is waiting to be redeemed. There must be somebody who is wanting to be redeemed. There must be some, redemption is just out there. It's just kind of sitting on a shelf and and it's not accomplishing its purpose. It's just like a gift that has never been received. It's not a gift until it's received. You can buy the gift, you can wrap the gift, you can put the gift up under the Christmas tree or if it's for for a birthday or anniversary or whatever it is, until it comes to fruition, until the gift is received, it's not a gift. It's just an item. But once the transition takes place and it goes from the giver to the receiver, then the gift becomes the gift. And redemption is the same way. There must be somebody. I mean, the first four things have been accomplished. Somebody's qualified, somebody's able, somebody's ready, and somebody's willing. Boaz in our story, Jesus in real life. But the fifth character, there must be somebody that is wanting, waiting, willing, to be redeemed. Turn with me in our closing this morning to the book of Psalms. I love the book of Psalms. I think I said that. In chapter number 40, I love what he said here and will be done. If we have a musician, I guess musician, come on to the piano. He said in verse number one, he said, I waited. There must be somebody that's waiting There must be somebody that's waiting to be redeemed. There is somebody who is able, somebody willing, somebody ready, somebody qualified. He said uh, in the Old Testament, he would deliver Israel. He said, I'm come down to deliver you. In the New Testament, he heals the sick. He saves from sin. And we have example after example of somebody that was waiting. Somebody that was waiting, but you don't have to wait any longer. I have a whole message on that subject. You don't have to wait any longer. 400 years they waited there under the bondage in Egypt. The day came, they didn't have to wait any longer. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me out up also of the horrible, of an horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. He said, I was waiting. There must be someone who is waiting to be redeemed. Waiting to be redeemed. Said he lifted me out of a horrible pit. A horrible pit. Have you been lifted out?